0: Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16 is our text this morning. Um, we have been stepping through the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, you know, two weeks ago we talked about the... Maybe three weeks ago it's been... We talked about uh, you are the salt of the earth and how that is something that's altogether different than, than the rest of the world. It is an altogether different thing Um, there, There should be no mistaking saltiness. And Jesus said, if you're not salty, then what good are you? Well, in like fashion, he follows that statement up in verse 14 with, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, I know that today is a holiday. It's 4th of July, American Independence Day. And that is a a great thing to celebrate. Uh, People have a lot of things planned, family gatherings and celebrations and such. And those are good things, especially when we honor God, who is the giver of every good gift when we do our celebrations. Especially when we understand that the ultimate reason for any freedom that we have is Christ, and the ultimate cause for our celebration is His work on the cross. In light of all that, though, I know that people got plans, so I'm gonna try to keep it keep it short today. Which in the beginning was super easy for me. I mean, I might preach ten minutes and be like, "That's all I got." Now I have a hard time getting it down less than less than forty. So we let's hope. I'm gonna try. <laughs> So I want to, that's our anchor text in Matthew. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be easily hidden. No one lights a light and then puts it under a bushel. It is meant to give light to the whole house. In the same way as a light, a city cannot be hidden. In the same way as a light is meant to give light to the whole house. Let your light shine before men so that they see your good works and glorify God because of them. It is always good to paraphrase scripture in your mind, to get it in your own words so that you understand it. Speak it out so that you get it. I'd like to take you to another text, though, in the gospel of John, John's gospel. This one is from John chapter 1, and we'll read the first 14 verses. John is giving us an introduction to the gospel, which is the life and story of Jesus, and he's giving us an introduction and uh, a description of, of Jesus. And he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That's the Word. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Sound familiar? The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man, verse 6, sent from God whose name was John. Talking about John the Baptist. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. So there was a, a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness Of the light. Later in John, when Jesus is referring back to John the Baptist, he says that for a little while you were content to rejoice in the light of John the Baptist. John the Baptist gave off a light, Jesus says, but he is not the light. He only came to bear witness to the light. So, in in this way, we can see John the Bible. He's not the source, he's a reflection, like a mirror or a projector, even. He's not the bulb, but he's not, even the bulb isn't the source. There's a little filament in the bulb that is the source. He's not the source, he's not the light, but he's a A projection. He gives off light. He bears witness to show the light. Verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Talking about Jesus. He's going to be coming into the world. John the Baptist is there to bear witness to that. Verse 10. He, that's Christ, was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, Who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. In other parts of the scripture, uh, like uh, the apostle Paul, he calls us children of light. Children of God. Verse 13, we were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, Full of grace and truth. So John, very obviously, he's beginning his gospel, giving us a description of Jesus. He is the word who became flesh, the word who has no beginning. He was in the beginning. The word who was not the uncreated word. God is not a created being. And this word, it was God, is God, and is with God. And this word became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And he says that in him, in Jesus, is life. And this life is the light of mankind, the life that is in Jesus. So we we know that this is no ordinary kind of life that John is describing. This is no run-of-the-mill existence that John is describing. This is a special life. It is a self-sacrificing, others-loving christ exalting. It is hope-fueled, joy-fueled, abundant life. Jesus said that he came to the earth to give life, and that more abundantly. This is abundant life. And, and this life that Jesus gives, the life that he brings, is light in an otherwise very dark and deadly world. And just like all things, this life comes from him. Remember John said, all things were made through him, And there is nothing that was made that wasn't made by him. And because it was made by him, because it comes from him, this light and life cannot be overcome. Because Christ cannot be overcome. He is the overcomer. In this world you will have tribulation, but fear not, I have overcome the world. Jesus is the overcomer. You can't overcome the overcomer. And so light cannot be overcome. Darkness recoils and it retreats from the light of the life that comes from Jesus Christ. Sin is darkness. And it recoils in the light and truth of Jesus Christ. We cannot stand comfortably in our sin before a holy God. And you, you can try it but you can't stand comfortably in your sin before a righteous man. There's something about them that is convicting. Jesus, he is both the provider and the progenitor. That means he is the the source of this life that is light, the source of this kind of self-sacrificing, Christ-exalting hope fueled joy filled abundant life and it comes from him and him alone we have to understand that john 8 chapter john chapter 8 verse 12 jesus very plainly said again he said i am the light of the world so jesus is talking about himself and declares that he is i am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life so life that is light in darkness, life that is different, that that, that makes sin recoil, that makes darkness flee. And again, this only comes from Christ and following him. That life comes from Christ. He is the only source. I, he came so that we might not have to walk in darkness anymore. That's the point of his coming. There is no other way. John 12, 46, Jesus said, I have come in to the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So then belief in Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ is light and it brings you out of darkness. That's where we find this life that is light is through faith in Jesus Christ, his words. He's explaining to us how we get there. How do we get out of the darkness that we're in? I came into the world as light so that you might not have to be in darkness. If you follow me, there's no darkness for you. And then he puts it very exclusively in John 14. Not just any light. Not just any way, not, not just not whoever believes in me can come out of darkness. Not I'm light in the world, not just any light. He says that I'm not just a way, I am the way in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. Everything else is counterfeit. We all should realize that. There is no life outside of Jesus, no ultimate truth outside of Jesus. There is no ultimate reality outside of Jesus. Everything else is a cheap imitation at best. And don't you know they try to imitate? All kinds of things claiming to be a source of life and a source of light, all kinds of philosophies, all kinds of pursuits, all kinds of pleasures who claim to give you what we so desperately need in Christ. But outside of Christ, they are just more darkness. That's what they are. And the darkness is deadly. In John 11, verse 9 and 10, Jesus said, If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. He sees Jesus. Verse 10, But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So if you're not in Christ, you're in darkness and you stumble and fall. And don't we see that? The world stumbling all over themselves, clamoring over themselves. You see it in all the false theologies, all of the the ridiculous ideologies out there. They can't even agree among themselves about what is right and what is wrong. Oftentimes Christians can't agree among themselves about what is right. But we have a source that we can go to. We have a scripture that we rely on. And that's why it's so very important that we understand that the Bible is the Word of God. We've talked about that before, a series we preached way back when, The Breath of God. The Bible is the, the written Word of a holy God, it is infallible, and it is our source of truth. And if we, we have, I cannot look to my own heart. For truth, which is what the world wants us to do. They want us to look inward for truth. We can't do that because the heart of man is desperately wicked and sick. Who can know it? It will lead us into all kinds of darkness. We need to look to Him. We need to look to the Scriptures for truth. If we don't trust the Scriptures, how can we find truth in them? We need to trust the Scriptures. And the Scriptures tell us of Christ, who is the light of the world. Jesus told us that he is light of the world. We just read that. John the Baptist testified about him being the light of the world. John the Apostle wrote about Jesus being the light of the world in his gospel. So there are many witnesses to verify the truth of what Jesus claims to be, that he is light and life in the world. And not just any light, but a special kind of light. A life that is life-changing, life-altering. A life that is the only authentic life. There are many witnesses, but Jesus doesn't want us to just rely on the words of people. Certainly not the words that he says. Don't even rely on the words that, that I say. John 10, 24 and 25, Jesus says, there's Jews that gathered around him and they, they asked him, they said, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. And he answers him in verse 25, I've already told you. I said it, but you didn't believe me. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. So Jesus, when they ask him, won't you just tell us plainly who you are? He said, I did. I said it. And I did it. And that proves who I am. He said, I told you with my words and I told you with my deeds. It's the same thing that he he said back in John chapter 5, verse 36. He says, the testimony that I have In John 5, 36, the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. He's talking about John the Baptist. You remember John the Baptist came preaching and preparing the way for the Lord. He came telling everyone to repent, be baptized for the remission of your sins. And he said of Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's talking about Jesus. And John's testimony is true, accurate, righteous testimony. is the truth about Jesus that he is the lamb of God and he comes to take away the sins of the world. It's the truth about Jesus that he is sent from God. He is the Messiah, the anointed one, the holy one of God, and that we should put our faith in him. All that is true. But Jesus says, hey, my testimony is greater than John's. John spoke to you in words. John testified to you with his mouth to tell you about who I am. I'm here not just to tell you, but to show you who I am. He said, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I'm doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. My works testify. Remember, they ask him later, just tell us plainly who you are. He said, I've already told you. I said it, you didn't believe me. My works testify. So Jesus told them in his word, with the words that he said, I am the light of the world. And he told them indeed with the works that he did that he was the light of the world. That his testimony was true. He said, my testimony about who I am is greater than John's, not because John was wrong, but because John spoke. John could only speak. I came and I did. Amen. I added the action behind who I... John couldn't prove to you that I am the Christ. Only I could do that. I buy the works that I did. So there's two elements here. There's word word and, and deed going on here. Jesus proclaiming that he is the light and life of the world. And so finally, that brings us to what he said about us in Matthew 5, 14. If you are the, you are the light of the world. So Jesus, I think, found that very interesting. He said, I am the light of the world. But he begins in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, he said a lot about himself, Jesus did, over the course of his ministry. He said a lot about himself being light and bringing light into the world. But in the Sermon on the Mount, in his first full sermon that we have recorded, where he's laying out the case for who he is, for for the way of life that he's advocating, for what he's bringing into the world, where he's laying that out for the people, he says, you are the light of the world. Now, that might cause us to ask, who is the you that he's talking about? Well, it's the the ones who he just described in those Beatitudes that we just went over over the last several weeks. The, The poor in spirit, the ones who are meek and merciful, the ones who hunger and thirst after righteousness, the peacemakers, the pure in heart. The ones who are persecuted and reviled for his name's sake, and yet they rejoice in it. Those are the ones who are the light of the world. In these verses that Jesus gives us in 14 through 16, he removes any ideas that we might have about a passive faith or a passive Christianity. You know, verse 16 tells us that our witness of the world or our witness to the world with our words isn't enough if we have Christ then we have light within us and light does what light does it shines you cannot hide a city on a hill that's the example he gives and no one lights a light a lamp and puts it under a basket it gives light to the whole house that's a that's a wrong use of a light Light is meant to give light, and that's what it does. Amen. Amen. And Jesus says to let your light shine. But what light is that? That light that is found in life with Jesus, living and loving how Jesus lives and loves. James one twenty two says to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. How does the light shine? Through our good works so that others give glory to God. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. And if you are are a hearer only and you don't do, you're deceiving yourself into thinking that you have this light because you don't. That's what James is saying. James is teaching what Jesus was saying. So many believers today, they are believers in word only. The only witness that they have of the light within them is their word. There's no deed to back it up. They're hearers and not doers. They have knowledge and no follow through. They claim faith in Jesus, but their works don't bear witness to their words. Right? See this, when Jesus did this, And he gave these beatitudes, and then he told the ones, you look like this, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. In this way, let your light shine. He took religion, and he took faith, and the power of faith away from the ivory towers and the priestly class, and he gave it to the people. Jesus and James both are telling us that knowledge Only gets you so far. The other day, my wife and I were talking about this, and uh, she made the statement that um, knowledge without application is foolishness. And I I had to think about it for a minute to make sure it wasn't an overly broad statement, um, because I don't want to, you don't, I mean, people can come up with platitudes all the time. You know, whether it's truth or not, it's a different story. So I had to think about it for a minute. Let me make sure this, let me check this, make sure it's true. I ran it through all the, you know, the files in my head and all the scriptures I could bounce it up against. And I came up to the conclusion that, yeah, it indeed is true. Knowledge without application is, is foolishness. What good does it do us if we claim all knowledge, though I have all knowledge and I, have, and I can prophesy and all these things like Paul says, but I do not follow it up. I do not act it out. I do not display it in works of love. This means that you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You don't have to have a systematic theology with all the kinks worked out. You don't have to have an answer for every question. You know, we are all works in progress. We are all growing in our knowledge and understanding of spiritual things. So you don't have to have it all worked out yet. You don't have to have a theology degree to be the smartest person in the room. You don't have to be the most articulate person or the most talented person. You don't have to be the most influential person. Here's what you have to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. Servant-hearted, sacrificial, let your light shine in this way. It's not just what Christians who are the children of light do. It's not just what we do, though, but it's why we do it and how we do it that makes people talk about us and notice us and hopefully not notice us but notice Him. So the way we do things draws attention to Christ. How we do things draws attention to Christ. What we do draws attention to Christ. Jesus said that they should see your good works to glorify God. This is letting your light shine. Our good works must have context. We should be very clear as to why we do what we're doing. Now I'll leave you with this. Helping others is great. We're, we're commanded and called to do it. It's who we are as Christians, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And in that example, when he gave us that, it was the example of the Good Samaritan. Remember, he found the guy on the side of the road who was, who was near death, and he helped him even though there was, you know, should have been racial animosity between them. When his own wouldn't help him. We help others. We go where others don't want to go. We go to the, the places that people turn their nose up at to offer help to bring them to Christ. So helping others is great, but what good have we done if we fed a person, if we put clothes on his back, we've given him a home, if we fixed his car, we've gotten him a new job, gotten him cleaned up, but he is losing his soul. Amen. 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 What good have we done? When we help, when we love others with our deeds, it should always be clear why we are doing it so that they may see Christ in us. He means he needs to be part of the conversation. He needs to be part of the explanation. Brother, I'm here because Jesus loved me and he loves you too. We shouldn't be afraid to say that or embarrassed to say that. Are you embarrassed to say that? In all the help that we give, it needs to come with context so that they see Christ in us. Additionally, because we are living and loving when we add context to it, When we do this in the name of Christ, because we're living and loving in the name of Christ, um, the manner that we do things matters just as much as what we do, but how we do it. Now, I'm, I'm reminded of the spirit of giving event that happens every Christmas time. If we do good deeds, it does us no good if we are doing it for Jesus and we're saying it for Jesus. We can do all the good things. It does no good if our attitude is in the pits. Amen. Amen. So spirit of giving. This is a time when, most of y'all know about it, when the, you know, lots of churches and organizations come together. Uh, we meet at the courthouse and we give away free stuff to the community. It's a time for us to just, to just try to love people in, in uh, material ways. And that is a, a way to love people is in material ways. You know, what good does it do you if you say be well and be fed if you haven't put clothes on their back or food in their belly? So we try to love people in material ways. And, and Donna Russell uh, heads that up for us and she does a fantastic job. We have all these, these little gift bags that she beautifully uh, uh, and wonderfully, you know, puts together with lotions and stuff and, um, and pays for a lot of it on her own. And we're just... We're thrilled to be able to do that, to go and offer that to, to people who, who might otherwise not have a gift to give to their loved ones or have anything on Christmas. So we just want to be uh, Christ-exalting, Christ-honoring people in giving Giving away of our substance and our time and our treasure. And it, the whole thing is in a Christian, God honoring, Christ exalting context. Prayer is offered beforehand. We're very, I mean, the, the organizers are very careful to make sure that everyone there understands this is a Christ exalting, Christ honoring event. That's the context. So we've added context to it. Um, but you know, a lot of the people that show up to that event are. Are very lost. They are utterly lost and and they're in utter darkness and you can tell. You can tell. I mean, we're, we're there and we're giving away free stuff. It's free. It's a gift. And they will come and they will actually try to steal the free gift that we're giving. So, I mean, everyone gets a ticket. It's a free ticket. And in order to keep everybody from just hoarding stuff, you trade a ticket for an item. Those are the rules that are laid out very clearly for everybody when they're there. But you know they'll come through the line and they'll try to give you a ticket and then they'll grab one with their hand and you you see them. It's in your bag. You've already got what you got. And then they just want to. And then they want to steal. Why are you? Why are you, it makes no sense. It's free. It makes no sense. They're lost. Utterly lost. Or they're getting a free gift and they're they get angry with you because you don't have the fragrance that they want or or the the color that they want or they get mad about this kind of stuff and it it's free. I mean we're just here. So it, it makes no sense. They're utterly lost. And it could really I mean, it's really easy to get a sour attitude about that. And I'll be honest, sometimes it's very difficult to rejoice at the plundering of our property because that's what's happening. It's very difficult to rejoice in that. It's very difficult sometimes to not, to not judge and not condemn I've been there nearly every year. I think I've missed one or two because of other, other commitments. But nearly every year we've been there. It's cold. And we're just, we're just trying to have a smile on our face and Jesus in our heart and show people that we love them. And they want to act like jerks because they're lost. Do you blame a blind man for running into you? Do you, do you condemn him? Do you get on to him because he bumped into you? No, he's blind. What do you do? You help Him and you love Him. And so, man, I readily admit the flesh can well up. And if if we weren't careful, the manner in which, even though we're doing a God-honoring, we're giving free stuff away, we're trying to love people, even though we're trying to do the right thing, the manner in which we do it could be very toxic. It would not be letting light shine. So what we do matters. That we do it matters. How we do it matters. We are there in the name of Christ. We literally have a banner behind us that says Family Worship Center. So, I mean, we're there representing the church, and we are ambassadors for Jesus. How we do things matters just as much as what we do. Everyone ever done anything good for someone, but you did it begrudgingly? <sighs> that, no, you need to check that. That's what Jesus is teaching here. That is not letting light shine. Amen. Amen. That's being selfish. Even, even though you're trying to do something good and your heart is not in it. You know, when he teaches about giving, he said, let everyone give. That's why God says, the, the Bible says, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. He don't want you giving out of compulsion. Don't anyone give under compulsion. That's one of the reasons I don't, we, don't, we don't pass a plate. And that's why really I've not had anyone come up here anymore. The, the offering container is in the back and if you are led to give, then you give. I don't want anyone to feel pressured. If you're pressured and you give out of pressure, I don't want your money. Neither does God. I want you to be blessed through the joyful, sacrificial, generous giving that God has called us to do. And it is a joyful thing to do. When you do it because you have done it out of the willingness of your heart, not because you feel guilted or pressured or anything like that. Oh, he could probably guilt you into it if we started passing the plate around and you see the person next to you give it. Oh, I guess I, guess I better get my... I mean, no one wants that. I don't want that. Now There may be churches that want that. I don't want, I'm not into strategies to get your money. That's not what we're here for. Amen. Amen. We need money to operate. We got to pay the bills and God has always blessed us through your generosity. But it's your generosity, not your obligation. How we do things matters as much as what we do and that we do. Let your light shine. So we should all pray. Let us pray then that God would make us cities on a hill. Cities on a hill. That our words and our professions of faith would be matched by our deeds that are God-honoring, Christ-exalting, and cause men to give glory to God. Let me pray with you and I'll get you out of here. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Father, I ask you that you help us to be light to those around us, light that only comes from you. And Lord, we know that that means that we can't just be about talking about it. We have to be about doing it, living and working out this this gospel taking up our cross, denying ourselves, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, being sacrificial and joyful. Lord, help us to do, not only to say, but to do the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.